0: Mindfulness Mode, 174.
1: They just had this happiness and this joy and this peace, and I knew immediately that was something that I wanted.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Today, I'm featuring an interview with a man who was on a 10-year search, a search for happiness in his life, a search for meaning. And suddenly, when he was least expecting it, he discovered what he was looking for in the least expected place. I'm sure you'll enjoy meeting the creator of the Feed Your Happy app. Sit back and relax. He now has a book out called The Seven Core Skills of Everyday Happiness. You'll be able to check it out on his website. And yeah, like I say, sit back, relax, and find out where happiness lives. Today, I'm so excited thrilled to have scott wilhite here on the line today hey scott are you in mindfulness mode
1: i am in mindfulness mode i haven't switched on
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's good scott how are you anyway
1: (laughs) you know i am fantastic today today is a wonderful day and i expect it'll get even better (laughs)
0: Scott Wilhite is an award-winning commercial filmmaker turned social entrepreneur. As a writer, producer, and director, he was enjoying a promising creative career without actually enjoying it. During 10 of his most productive years, he found them to also be 10 of his darkest His most unsatisfying years. He felt directionless and he felt like his life was missing purpose and meaning. But this all changed when a friend introduced him to the world of positive psychology and showed him the difference that comes from deliberately, consciously choosing what he mentally focuses on. With this personal transformation, he wanted to make the education easily accessible to others. And he created an app called Feed Your Happy. And he's created some other things, including a book. We'll talk about it in the show. So yeah, this is really exciting to talk with you, Scott. So let's start off with this. What does mindfulness truly mean to you?
1: You know, Bruce, mindfulness to me is about being more awake and aware. It's it's about being more alive and really conscious about what's going on in your life.
0: Yeah, I I think that's what it is for a lot of us, you know, just being aware of the particular moment you're in and being able to enjoy your life. And, you know, I, I know that you've described that you had some tough times when you just didn't feel fulfilled in life and you didn't feel happy, even though you were doing the thing that you loved. So can we go back there and can you describe to us, describe to Mindful Tribe, some of those dark days where you just we're really struggling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I was sent years ago. I was sent on a filming trip to Cambodia Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a humanitarian trip. And we were creating a series of films that would help, you know, rich Americans open up their hearts and their wallets and care about other people. And, uh, you know, they, they sent us to, to film the poor impoverished people of Cambodia to, you know, to create that sort of empathy Mm -hmm. Well, it was interesting. I'm, you know, first day in Cambodia, I'm in this little rickety old minivan just packed in there with the film crew and boxes of camera gear. And it was miserable. It was so hot and humid. Mm -hmm. And because of the camera gear, because it was so sensitive, we we had to have the windows rolled down. We couldn't use the air conditioner because, you know, it would just kind of mess up the camera. Mm -hmm. And so immediately my shirt soaked in sweat and I'm just, you know, uncomfortable and I'm little cranky and I'm looking outside the window and I realize we've got a huge problem because although I saw you know poor impoverished people I didn't see sad people you know I'm, I I saw you know shopkeepers sweeping the, the top layer of dirt away from the dirt road in front of their place I saw you know young kids making makeshift chairs on the side of the road and but And and I saw a family of like five on a single motorcycle getting from one place to the other. But what was interesting was as my eyes would connect with them, they would look at me and their faces would light up. They just had this happiness and this joy and this peace. And I knew immediately that was something that I wanted. You know, I smiled back kind of a, you know, a little fake smile, you know, trying to reassure them and myself really that life was really as good as it seemed for me but I knew they had something that I wanted. And that's what started off my, my yearning for more, my desire for something that would produce that kind of happiness. And I spent 10 years of my life looking for it in all the wrong places, you know, trying to find it in more or whatever's next, you know, and and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, purchase it or trying to win awards that I thought would make it. And it it didn't create that happiness. And it turned out, The happiness comes from within. It took me 10 years to find that.
0: Scott, I love that story. I spent time in Mexico on a house building missions trip with teenagers. And it was the same thing. Even though the families were very, very poor and by our standards in, in my country here in Canada, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like how can they live this way? Yet they were so happy, so joyous. All that the kids needed is a little patch of ground to play on and they were having so much fun. So, yeah, I love that. Joy is found within. But then how did you take the next step? How did you find the joy within yourself?
1: (laughs) Well, that came purely by accident. Um, I I was looking for it, searching for it. I was so discontent. And, you know, I talked to you about that, those dark years, those 10 Mm -hmm. dark years. I mean, they were my most creative. I was winning tons of awards, and I felt like I was making a great contribution to, uh, to the place I was working. But I was so, you know, just anxious and distraught and you know, I was complaining all the time. Anyway, I stumbled into this guy across him. He, he had this orange book under his, uh, under his arm and he started talking to me about what was in it. And I knew immediately that was something that I wanted. It was a book on happiness, on the scientific study of happiness. And I ran to the bookstore and I got it and I started going through it. And I was amazed to find that that top tier universities have been studying happiness and they have found that it's more than a mood or a, or a feeling, it's a skill. And so I started applying some of these things. And the very first thing that I did that made the biggest difference in about 10 days, my life was totally changed forever temporarily. Um, And that was I started applying the skill of gratitude. You know, that when we are truly authentically grateful for our lives and we appreciate what's in them, suddenly it changes everything in life. And so I started applying that and I recognized that each day, you know, I would look for three fortunate things that would happen to me that day. And as I started to do that, I started to realize that there was goodness all around me that I wasn't realizing was there. And I changed my focus from obsessing over everything I felt like I was missing in life to truly appreciating what I had.
0: Does that make sense to you? It really does. Yeah. Gratitude. It's amazing. They say that if you have gratitude, there's no room for anger. You can't be angry and grateful at the same time. Have you heard that before?
1: It, actually, I have. What I, what I heard was that you can't be unhappy and grateful at the same time. Right. And I thought, well, Similar. that's true. That means there's something I can do about it. And that's what started me off on this internal quest to, to uh, upskill my happiness, to have those qualities inside and have that mental focus inside that I could be in charge of my mindset and therefore my happiness.
0: And so did you use habits? Did you use routines to help yourself kind of stay in that place?
1: Well, you know, that's an interesting question um, because that's one of the things that I found really frustrating is I started consuming every book I could find on the subject. You know, all these universities, Harvard, Stanford, UCAL Berkeley, University of Pennsylvania – uh, we're studying positive psychology. It's, it's this new branch in the field of psychology. And all this amazing research was coming out. And I was loving it. And I was mm-hmm. learning about these things and learning that there were skills that were associated with it. And, uh, and I'd read these books at night. And then I'd go back and I'd be working my filmmaking stuff in the daytime. And I would find myself slipping back into my old ways of thinking. Right. <laughs> and it was so frustrating. Because here I had all this knowledge and I found out that happiness was a skill, but I was also finding out it was a skill I wasn't good at. Uh And so I had to put exercises into place and really turn kind of a mental conditioning program uh, into place for my life so that I could have those skills and be able to implement them during the day when I needed it most.
0: Right. So you started this system, and what did that look like?
1: Well, for me, it started with cards. One of the things that you do as a as a screenwriter is, uh, if you're working on a feature film, you know, you, you want to create a, a, a screenplay for a feature film. They, you say, I'm carrying cards, and you keep these three by five cards in your pocket and each scene you will put in a, on a different card and then you can reorganize them and you can get the flow of the story going pretty well because as you're going you know out and about during daily life you will come up with ideas and so you can add them in there right. so i started carrying these cards and i would work on a different concept a day and it started to work for me and in fact i was finding great success and that's when i started to realize you know what i bet there are more people like me that have no clue that happiness is a skill, no clue that that there's something that they can do with their mental focus that will completely change their lives. And so how would they, I mean, I can't give them cards. That's so old school. And so right. I started thinking about what if I put this into an app? And so I worked with some developers and we created the Feed Your Happy app. And it's based on those cards. It's based on activities that you do deliberately. And it's And it has uh, mindfulness exercises where you journal, you write what you just accomplished, what you just did. And as you think about that and take time to, to stop and focus about what you just experienced, then you start to experience change, incremental change that you do daily. And that's where it starts to become more of a habit, more of a lifestyle, really.
0: Right, of course. And I'm wondering, Scott, as you started to change and people, I'm sure, noticed, people around you, what kind of feedback did you get? Did they kind of look at you and give you a strange look or what happened?
1: Did they ask you questions? Well, you know what? My kids started calling me happy dad. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I laughed at that for a little bit. And then I thought, oh, wait a second. <laughs> what does that mean? What was I before? You know, and I uh-huh. realized, holy cow, I must have been a terrible ogre. Uh-huh. And looking back, you know, and, and when I was having those dark years, you know, when I was being very successful and stuff, I thought, you know, I'm just a tortured artist. This is the, the territory that you get when you are highly creative. It's just that's what life is, and I accepted it. Mm-hmm. And, and in looking back, I think, oh, man, if I had known, if I had known that I could be both creative and happy, you know, by learning how to control my mindset, how to focus on the right things in life, my kids probably wouldn't have noticed the huge difference between regular dad and happy dad. But uh, that, that's really what started me out.
0: And so how does Happy Dad help your kids? I mean, you, I think you have two boys, right?
1: No, I, I have four kids. I oh, have, you have four? Uh, yeah, I have three girls, three wonderful girls. Two are in college, and uh, I have two at home. One, and my youngest is a boy, and he's playing football. And I've got a rugby player girl and uh, two college girls and, and, uh, and a wonderful wife who teaches school.
0: Wow. Sounds like you have a great family. How do you use mindfulness with them? Or as they, you know, when they were younger and as they were growing up, did you use mindfulness tools to kind of keep peace and help to make sure everybody was in a happy state?
1: You know, I didn't. um, This is all new to me. Uh, I've only learned this for like the last two years. And it was so transformative for me that that I wanted, I, I wanted to make this available to as many people as possible and so I have packaged these tools so that people can learn about the skills have the education there and then have the mental conditioning to make these skills a lifestyle but yeah I mean life at my home I was so lucky I mean I've got four kids that don't fight. I've got a wonderful wife. We live up in the, uh, the Rocky Mountains, in a home that we built. I mean, life was great, but when I was having those dark years, I was so obsessed over what I felt like I was missing in life. Everything I felt like I was lacking, that's where my focus was. And that's really what ruined my happiness, is that focus outside uh, on things that were out of my reach. But when I changed that, when I brought it inside, when I started to recognize all the beauty that I had, all the wonderful things that I had, and, and to truly be grateful for it, that's when I experienced this great change. And that's when I also realized, holy cow, I was missing it this whole time because my focus was wrong. My focus was outside and on things that I didn't really need in order to be happy.
0: Right. So much for us to learn here, Scott. And Mindful Tribe, as we listen to Scott talking about this, doesn't he just truly sound happy? You know, <laughs> like it's it's really exciting because, you know, it means that that we can all have this, you know, through mindfulness and through skills that we can create. So so you created the app. What kinds of feedback did you get from people who use the app, Scott?
1: Oh, they love it. Um, one of the things that I found, too, in, uh, in launching the app was so many people were saying, what else can you do for us? We really want education because this is a whole new idea for us that happiness is a skill. And so from there, we created this online course. It's called the Seven Core Skills of Everyday Happiness. And it takes people through it step by step, 10 minutes at a time. They work on a concept. They will learn an idea, and they'll learn the science behind it, and they will learn mental triggers that they can put in place in their lives. And then they're given an activity that they will do, uh, something that will stretch them and get them outside of their comfort zone and help them to start doing things actively and deliberately. And then they will do a mindfulness exercise where they do a micro journaling uh, exercise. They, They write just a sentence or two about what they just experienced. And in doing these things, You know, it's kind of breakfast, lunch and dinner. You know, you have premeditated goodness and then you experience it and then then you relive it again as you write it down and journal it and think about that and really take time to stop and focus on what you just experienced. As people start to do that, then they start experiencing this change.
0: Right. I really like that, Scott. And I wonder if I can put you on the spot. Can you share some of those mental triggers with us? Can you share maybe one of those activities just kind of so we can get a taste of what it would be like?
1: Oh, you bet. You know what? One of my favorite activities, and it's so simple, and and you'll find this with all of these, um, is they are so incredibly simple. And uh, in fact, when I first heard about this stuff and I started reading that book and it talked about that you can't be you know, unhappy and grateful at the same time, I thought, wait a second, that's not true because I'm a very grateful person. I say thank you all the time. Mm -hmm. But what I found was, first of all, I didn't really feel it. I didn't really mean it. And I was looking at thankfulness more as um, indebtedness, which is a very negative way. uh, And it was not gratitude at all.
0: Can you expand on that, the indebtedness that you felt?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, for instance, uh, I needed to move a washer. And yes. so uh, I don't have a pickup truck. A guy down the street has a pickup truck. And so I um, I asked if I could borrow his pickup truck. You know, kind of felt me, it kind of, I felt inferior. I chose to feel inferior when I had to do that. I had to ask for a favor. Um, I borrowed it, moved the washer, and then I put gas into his car, into his truck to, you know, yeah. show my appreciation and returned it and said, thank you, you know, Several times. But as I look back at that, what I felt was indebtedness. You know, I felt Mm -hmm. like I owed him and I had to, you know, say thank you because he did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. And it put me, I chose to be, to put my mindset in an inferior, you know, needy kind of area you know instead of looking at it and going you know what he cares about me he has this truck he likes me we're friends of course he when he said yes that i could borrow his truck he meant it and if i then focus and choose to focus on being truly grateful for the friendship for the kindness for the love for the compassion all of that stuff then there's a deep feeling of care and concern there's a there's a meaning behind the, uh, the good intentions and the good uh, kind deeds. It's deliberate kindness is, what, uh, is what's going on. I was the recipient of deliberate kindness. And if I choose to recognize that, then I can experience the gratitude. And then it's a different type of gratitude.
0: Yes, I see that. I really like that you explained that. So you were going to go ahead and explain an, an activity or a mental trigger in an activity.
1: Oh, Yeah. And I was telling you that they're so simple that you think, oh, that's not really going right. to help, you know. And, uh, and, and in fact, I didn't even start doing the, the gratitude journal for a while, which was one of the things that all the science books say that you need to do uh, in order to experience that happiness. Um, but once I started doing it, I started feeling it. So one of my favorite activities is buy a chocolate or give a chocolate bar to someone. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, you know, you have this premeditated kindness that's going on, you know, because you have to go to the store. I mean, sometimes, unless you already Mm -hmm. have a candy bar around and you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help somebody Uh, who, who am I going to help? You know, and you're thinking about, you know, kind of envisioning giving them this candy bar and what am I going to say? And, uh, and then you go out and you do that. And then you come back and you write about it. And the cool thing about journaling, I absolutely love journaling. If you want to be mindful learn to be a journaler because you can't write one thing and think about something else. You know, you are there, you are focused, you are in the moment, which is a little different than like if you're reading a book, you can get to the end of a page and you turn the page and you realize, I have no idea what I just read because I was thinking about tomorrow's assignment. You know, but when you write something down, you are there and you are present and you're in the moment. And so that simple activity of giving someone a chocolate bar you know, suddenly gets you out doing something, being active, thinking about others, and then coming back and writing about what you just felt, what you just experienced. And, uh, and it's fun, you know, it's fun spreading that goodness and kind of having a scavenger hunt for, uh, for kindness.
0: Wow. Yeah. It really feels good to be kind to people. That's for sure. And I really like how you're describing your process. So you created the digital product and then what came next, Scott?
1: Yeah. Uh, then I had all these people asking about what we can do for education because the idea was so new that, uh, that happiness was a skill. So we created this online course. Since I'm a filmmaker, I thought, you know what, I could, I could, make, I could make these into videos and help people to learn them. We learn so well with video and, yeah. uh, and film. And story, and so I created all of these uh, all of these little short videos around it, so that at you know for ten minutes you could learn the activity, you could actually go and do the activity, and you can come back and journal it just by doing them step by step. And then from there, we've uh, we've got a book uh, that's ready to be uh, launched really soon. It's also called the Seven Core Skills of Everyday Happiness to help people to uh, to learn those skills, learn what they can do, and be empowered to have that training that will then bring those skills inside, you know, so that's something that they can be good at.
0: Sure. I want to ask you if meditation is part of what you do to create happiness in your space.
1: You know, it really is. And it's something that I do in, in my regular schedule in my mornings. You know, when I get up, uh, I have a set time that I get up each day. And the first thing that I do is I will pray and meditate for about 15 to 20 minutes and then I will read some inspired words uh, for about 40 minutes in there. And then I will read um, industry journals and, uh, and articles and things that, you know, are in this space that I want to get good at. But taking that time each day to really think and really be centered is a great way to start out. You know, I start out the day intentional rather than uh, being reactive. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. I've heard a study that says that 80% of people will reach for their smartphone within 15 minutes of getting up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and what they're doing is they're checking their, their, you know, Facebook or checking their email, and then they are reacting to it, you know, they're responding. And so right from the get-go, they are, you know, off balance because they're reactionary. They're putting out fires uh, rather than living the way that they have intended or deliberately, you know, planning their lives.
0: Well, Scott, it sounds, and I know this may sound crazy, but it sounds like your life is just perfect. You know, like what challenges do you have today that you still have to deal with?
1: (laughs) Uh, I do apologize if it sounds like my life is perfect because it is far from the truth. Um, well, I
0: don't expect an apology, but it's just like you know, it's awesome. It's wonderful how you've created this and made the transformation. I'm
1: sure you still have challenges in your life. Oh, loads! In fact, um, I mean, I am far. I, I am on this journey, but I feel like I'm right at the beginning. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. so much I need to learn and implement in my life. And knowing these things doesn't exactly mean that I'm doing them. You know, and so. I, I'm a recovering grumpaholic. I have spent years of my life being trained and conditioned to be a pessimist, to look for the negative. Uh, let me tell you a story. Uh, i'm a I'm a commercial filmmaker. I have many different roles depending on which uh, production I'm on. If I am in the role of a producer, what a producer does is he thinks about or she thinks about everything that could possibly go wrong. You know what actors not going to show up, what camera equipment is going to go down, what weather is going to happen that's going to come and ruin the day, you know, and you're just so focused on these possibilities that you're, you're constantly making a plan for it and expecting bad things to happen. This location is going to get blown. We're going to have to go somewhere else and find something, you know, and you're just expecting bad stuff to happen. Well, the interesting thing is, is when you expect it to happen, when you look for things, it happens. <laughs> yeah, so I have been trained so well through the years to look for and expect bad things to happen. And so now to condition and train my brain to think positively. and uh, and I do have to say one thing on that is that with thinking positively, it's not deluding yourself. It's not pretending or imagining up you know good stuff. It's not living a fantasy life or putting on rose-colored glasses and ignoring the bad. It's really about being more awake and aware and alive. And that as you do that, uh, as you focus, everything has good and bad. But we choose which side of the coin to focus on. You know, are you going to focus on the negative stuff or are you going to focus on the good? And you can be fully aware of both, but realize that if I focus on the good things in my life – more good things are going to happen and that those healthy thought patterns are going to repeat themselves and more good things are going to happen. Does that
0: make sense to you? That does make sense. And Scott, it takes me right into my next question. And that is you sent me a link showing a film that you created, a short film about a woman who fell over a cliff. Can you tell us about that experience of making the film and just kind of outline that a little bit for Mindful Tribe?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, this is a true story, and it's available online. You can uh, just you can Google it, go to YouTube. Uh, it's called Falling Up, and it has Meg Johnson in it. And Meg is a woman who was out hiking around, jumping rock to rock to rock, and she accidentally jumped off this 40-foot cliff, became paralyzed, and the surprising thing is in her journal or in her journey, she found happiness. She is one of the happiest people I have ever met. And I was so fortunate to be able to work with her in this film. She actually stars in it, and she did a phenomenal job as we told her story and her journey from becoming paralyzed to it wasn't really getting her life back because she became so much more as she learned these things about herself and really began to live deliberately. But she wow. is a phenomenal lady. Her name is Meg Johnson. Um, she's a motivational speaker now. She, uh, she lights up a room whenever she's in the room. Uh, but she is one of the most optimistic people I have ever met. Yeah, and I
0: might add, and you took that story and you really framed it in such a way that for the viewer, it just is completely empowering. So, way, way to go, Scott. That was wonderful. Scott, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I've kind of come to this place too where I've seen that mindfulness can really change the way we see bullying behaviors, the way we see life. And whether you're a person who has been bullied or you've been doing some of these kinds of things, mindfulness can really make changes in in this and it can really diminish bullying if we can teach people about mindfulness. And I'm wondering if you have a story you could share which somehow or
1: other involves bullying. You know, that's a really good question. Um and it's so interesting. I think bullying mostly happens in the schools and that the, you know, our our young people are experience this more than we'd like them to. And absolutely, mindfulness can help them. They sure need this. An interesting um kind of side story is this last summer my wife and I were fortunate to be able to uh to judge the Miss Duchesne County <laughs> pageant. Uh-huh. And you know I, I don't know how, how they ever saw us as having credentials to, you know, judge a beauty pageant. But it was interesting. Each of the young girls had to have their own platform, something that they cared about and that they wanted to make a difference in the world. And, and almost all of the kids, in fact, there were only three girls that didn't um, have this as their platform that talked about suicide prevention or um, self-mutilation or things that had to do with depression. And I thought, oh, you know, wow. if only our young people were equipped with the, the knowledge of mindfulness and understood that choosing how they focus, choosing how they see the world, choosing, you know, what their, their mindset is will make the hugest difference in their lives. But it was interesting to, to see that just repeatedly. We need this. We need this. And they wanted to help in so many ways.
0: Right. Wow. What an interesting story. And it's good that they want to help. And, and, but like you say, mindfulness really does make a difference. So it's been really great talking with you about all this. Tell us more about your book that's being released soon, Scott.
1: Okay. It's called The Seven Core Skills of Everyday Happiness. And it covers, it covers these seven really simple. Skills, you know, happiness. It turns out it's it's more than a mood or a feeling. It's a skill. It's actually a set of skills. And as you learn these things, then you can start to you know change the myths of happiness that you that and maybe you were tied under. I know I was for so many years. You know, feeling like um, happiness was just out of reach. That happiness was, was something that I had to earn, or travel to, or win, or find you know, but happiness really comes from within. And as we learn these skills and start to apply them, then we can take control of our mindset. We can take control of where we are centering our lives in where we are going to find joy and happiness. And really, as we do that, we find purpose in life, um, our own individual purposes and, and what that can do for you.
0: Sure. Scott, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who's influenced your mindfulness practice?
1: You know, uh, the first book that I ever read was by Sean Acor. He's got a book called The Happiness Advantage. He's also got a very um, popular TED Talk on it. So if you're looking for just a real quick way to, to step into this, look him up, Sean Acor, The Happiness Advantage.
0: And how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Scott?
1: (laughs) Well, I mentioned to you about how I felt like I was a tortured artist and I just have, you know, all this terrible stuff going on in my life, which was so, you know, as I look back, it's so bizarre because so much of life is good for me, but I didn't realize it. And so having those emotions now to where I'm more in control rather than being tossed around by something that seems to go bad in my day. You know, now I have more control. I'm not, I'm not just going with the flow, you know. I am charting my course.
0: So tell us, is breathing part of your mindfulness practice?
1: You know, I do some of that in the mornings when I meditate. Uh-huh. And uh, and I spend a few minutes, you know, focusing my, on my breath and really kind of getting centered there. Um, so I do that a bit, yeah.
0: I know we've talked about your book, but do you have any other books you recommend on this topic, Scott?
1: Well, I mentioned Sean Acor's book, right. the, uh, uh, the Happiness Advantage. Um, Sonia, uh, I, I have a hard time saying her last name, but it's like Liebermersky wrote a book on the how of happiness, which is incredibly powerful. It's very much about actionable things that you can do to live an intentional, deliberate life. I would also recommend that. There are so many books out there and so many articles that you can find as you Google positive psychology or, you know, some of this scientific research, many tools that are out there to help you learn about the science. And then what you what you really need to do is find a rhythm, find a way to, to make these skills a habit and then those habits into a lifestyle.
0: Find a rhythm. I like that. Especially being a musician. You know, we have to find a rhythm in life that works for us. Well, you have your app. Maybe you could just mention one more time the name of your app and a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, it's called Feed Your Happy. It's available for the iPhone and the iPod Touch. And it helps you. It gives you activities that you can do. It has a gratitude journal in there for with uh, more than 50 refreshable prompts so that you can focus on different things that are going right in your life. And one of the things that I love best, too, is as you complete these activities, you get points, and uh, the points unlock great content such as uh, the films that I have, such as Falling Up, um, which is that film with Meg Johnson that I told you about. There's a, right. a beautiful film called Welcome Home that's in there and then another uh a comedy in there called lighten up that um anyway great content that you can unlock as you participate but as you participate you be you start to learn that happiness is a skill you start to to gain some of those uh techniques and those those mindsets in order to make that skill uh part of your life And it
0: really is a great app, Scott. It really is. Tell us how Mindful Tribe can contact you and maybe learn more about what you do.
1: Well, the easiest way is through my website, which is encourage.life. That's the letter N, the word courage, and dot life. You know, that's a little different. It's not a dot com, but, um, but that's really what we're about doing. We're about encouraging life, encouraging the fullness of life, helping people to wake up and become more alive and active and conscious. And then giving them those tools that they can take into their lives so that they can train themselves, train their mindset, condition themselves to recognize the good that is going on all around them.
0: Well, Scott, I really look forward to reading your book and look forward to just learning more about what you do on your website. Tell us when your book is released.
1: Um, we are still working on publish, on publication stuff. I'm not exactly sure how soon but uh i do have um or will have in the next week a link to the first chapter so you could go to my website and you can download the first chapter and it's filled with stories that will help you you know understand how to take this uh take your mindfulness and put that into practice so that you're in control of of what you're thinking about
0: That's great. Scott, it has been terrific talking with you. And I just get the feeling you and I could just sit around with a coffee and laugh because you just seem like such a happy person. So thanks so much for being on the show today,
1: Scott. Bruce, you know, I have to thank you for doing this podcast. I am so glad that you were out promoting this helping people to to understand about mindfulness i wish that i had learned this 10 years ago you know i wish that i had stumbled across your podcast and that you would have enlightened me to things that i could do and i'm so glad you're helping others so that they don't have those years of darkness they can they can listen to you they can gain these tools they can gain these uh these concepts and change their lives and you are the one bringing it to them
0: wow Thank you for saying that, Scott. You have a great rest of your day.
1: Well, thank you very much, Bruce. Take okay.
0: care. Yeah, bye now.